Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs. You, you know what? I say this next part every week. You know, you know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> it, it's it's always the same thing. Is it the same wow. thing that Charlie Brown went through? I don't think so. I don't think he ever said. I'm, wow, I'm, I'm that was really, great podcasting right there. <laughs> as you just did that, I'm I'm now actually really worried for Charlie Brown's teacher because maybe this whole time she's been gagged and tied to a chair and we didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me tonight, we have Heidi and Tyler Boudreaux. Thank you for joining Hello. us. Hey, I sorry, I just kind of jumped in like I'm a like I'm a regular person but i guess i'm a guest sorry for overstepping no that works i i don't care when people jump in although i'm calling it now i'm the champion of the uh rule the world with love contest so um oh i don't know like the last <laughs> i checked aaron had the only vote so <laughs> <laughs> well i'll go in there and vote for myself and then it'll be tied <laughs> wait a minute you can't vote for yourself <laughs> it's not fair I didn't vote for myself. I voted for Aaron. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I was going to, this is a part of the show where I, I normally say, um, what, what song is this from? But we don't have Aaron this week. It's from one of my favorite albums. It's from Jeff's absolute favorite album. <laughs> it is one of my favorite of all of the albums. Is this song why? Yes, I love this song. I know. No, the song like, is, I, is S. It's, it's it's the first of the S's. Not yeah, why. that's not why. Yeah, it's not why. <laughs> we are now going to be on the S's for the for the literally the rest of the year at this. Wow, point. that's a lot of S's. That is a lot <laughs> of. S's. I just want to say, speaking of born on a pirate ship. You know, I've, I've had kind of my bouncing around of episodes that I've appeared on for this show. Um, I've mostly done songs from Gordon and Born on a Pirate Ship and then like way later, like Silverball tracks. Mm -hmm. um, but just I just for, for, to be clear, I've also been on the episodes for Just a Toy and In the Drink. That's so true. this this tail end of Born on a Pirate Ship, which I'm assuming Heidi loves and I love of this just these kind of like smooth, very chill vibe songs. Mm -hmm. um, um, with the exception of Spider in My Room, which I always skip. I do too. <laughs> um, I feel so bad because I love Jim so much. <laughs> but that song, Spider in My Room. But I love there's so much on this album that I just I've always loved. But oh when gosh. it rolls through Break Your Heart, same thing, just a toy and in the drink, which I do like those four songs in a row and then ending with shoebox it's so great i and just a toy shoebox is long been one of my favorite songs of all time and i have a funny story to go with that when we get to that song it's a hilarious teacher story that goes with that <laughs> song um but i mean everything stomach versus heart straw hat i know uh 
This is where the, where it ends. I sing that in my head all the time. Call the police and call the Christmas please dear God. I tell my friends and like this is I I get why I get it's got to break your heart and you can't go wrong with that. But I just think it's it's a brilliantly constructed album with the exception oh, I, of oh and I I even like in the drink. I I do kind of like in the drink, but Spider in my room always freaked me out. <laughs> I so disagree. <laughs> the end of this album is, I think the end of this album is what makes this whole album controversial. Honestly. Really? <laughs> I think so. Why? Why? All right. Well, let me pull it up here. I think it doesn't start as strong. In the drink is fun. Shoebox is incredible. I think it finds its stride in the middle. I think Stomach versus Heart and I Know aren't as strong of leading songs as they could be yeah i i would have i'm surprised they didn't start the album with straw hat yeah Um, honestly i'm surprised they didn't start the album with shoebox like that is i could see that like that would be there are a a lot of s's on this album there are we are going to (laughs) be discussing straw hat this album same thing shoebox holy cow yep we have five songs five songs off this album this year that we'll be discussing well straw hat and stomach will be next year beginning mm. of next, yep. next year but um but yeah five songs in the s's that no yeah five songs in the s's so we're going to be here a while and we get to start off with the same thing but um i i think that stomach versus heart's a good song mm-hmm. i think straw hat's a good song i know i've come to love this is where it ends i really enjoy when I fall is when I start to feel like it falls apart. Oh, that, I love oh, when I that's fall. That's a classic song. I'm not saying it's a bad song. Me? I'm not saying it's a bad song. I think it's uh, a bad place for it on the album. And I think I'm so attached to this album because this is where I really started getting deeply, overly, maybe involved with my BNL obsession. Mm. Um, because this this just album i think i listened to on repeat for gosh months um that cd i think i had to replace because i wiped it out so much um but yeah maybe that's why because i just the they're the only outlier on this is spider for me so and and i i think we're gonna have um an interesting discussion around that because i we're gonna today is gonna be the beginning of a very interesting discussion around that um because i don't feel nearly as strong about this song as you guys do um well maybe we can change your mind that has happened it has happened it 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 has happened it Um, is possible no lightning strikes twice sometimes (laughs) <laughs> usually not oh. the same place but sometimes um so you know Heidi I would ask you to break down the music but I think it must have been the same thing that Schroeder went through <laughs> well I have broken down the music so <laughs> break down it's the Heidi breakdown <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I had a breakdown or two this week. Holy cow. Um, Not with this song, I'm guessing, because music, obviously, it's from Bopes 1996. Uh, The key is G. It's funny because there are three different the original Bopes clocks in at about 122 beats per minute, about four minutes and one second. 
the stop if you've heard this version clocks in at four minutes 11 seconds and 134 beats a minute so isn't that interesting and the live version three minutes and 52 seconds at 125 beats per minute so oh, so what you're telling me is that they couldn't even whenever they know no matter when they played this they couldn't do the same thing they couldn't do the same thing um <laughs> it is in the key of g um and it's interesting because the form is this is one of the brilliant things about this song is the way it works um the the beginning of fir the first verse isn't really the verse like that's repeated that melody melodic construction in most of the verses because he starts off with that what does it mean to wake out of a dream and be wearing someone else's shorts I've been around the block at least on my bike. I was prepared for the news, but not for a full scale war. Yeah, what's that I'm called when it's like bike. a coda, but on the it's front? Like, it's like a pre-chorus, like little mini intro. And that is not quarterly, like within. No. It's still in the key, but it's like it starts on an E minor seven chord, goes to a. So it starts on a, let's see, G six a minor six seven chord to a five chord to a one chord to a four chord to a minor two seven to a one to a two so it keeps this really minor feel and then when it gets into the found me an answer in a grocery store now we're into the normal found me an answer in a grocery store Found me an answer in the form of an old man with a cardigan on. This guy's got 30 years on me, but he stops and smiles just to say hello. Didn't I see you on TV? Then you've got a minor two seven chord, an A minor seven to a G, which is the root, the tonic chord. So you've got a two to a one to a two to a one to a four to a five. So he he stays around that that chordal um, progression, and then in the chorus it goes right into the tonic. Must have been the same thing. Must have been the same thing. Must have been the same thing. Charlie Brown went through. One to four to five to to six a minor six chord and it and it goes around until it ends where he says charlie brown went through that's back to an a minor seven chord which is a two chord in this key in the progression um and then you so you've got verse one verse two or verse one chorus verse two uh following that same chord progression from verse one and then the chorus and then that instrumental break And then the bridge. These things all end. Uh, who asked you anyway? You have to bend. 
which I love this bridge. So it's a minor six chord to a five chord to a two minor two chord, which is a very unusual progression. These things all end that part. And he just repeats those three chords throughout it. Who asked you anyway? And that it's the same three chords, the same thing, every, every line. And then he goes back into the third verse and then it goes back into that chorus must have been the same thing must have been the and I love the vocal interplay in mm. the outro chorus. So that's the basic breakdown. Um, and there you go. Beautiful Wonderful. harmonies. You're welcome. Oh, gosh, the harmonies are stunning. Mostly in the chorus, right? Mm -hmm. Just when they're saying must have been the same thing. Oh, yeah. Must have been the same thing. I love the call and response bit of that. Call and um, answer, I think you're supposed to say. <laughs> I love the call and answer of that. But that's the <laughs> basics of the overall. But what makes this song so special is the lyrics. The Arco on that last verse in the background, uh, especially during the thunderstorm line. Stand up. Oh, yeah. When he's doing the thing with the guitar strings and it sounds mm. like ethereal. Is it, is it guitar strings or is it Jim on the Arco double bass or is that the violin with by Mark Fewer? Mm, or is that the viola by Tony R Rappaport? And we, we actually talked about this when we were talking about in the drink. You know, when you like slide up and down the yeah. strings on a guitar chord, it makes that sort of like sound mm -hmm. that was a bad mouth effect on my part <laughs> but it's kind of it's kind of like him doing that but on purpose because you're not supposed to have that sound if you're like a really good guitarist you would know how to not have that sound right, right. yeah andy had said that during one of the times i'm saying hey what's that noise he's like yeah you're not supposed to hear that noise that's me messing up and I was yeah, like, but I remember that. Anecdote. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. Don't get rid of that. Um, but there's a like the there's also some really great uh, string work. That's yeah, there's done. a fiddle solo in the middle of the song. Well, is it is it a fiddle or is it uh, the violin? Is this the one that has the fiddle on it? Um, it it they're truly synonyms. <laughs> Look, Kitty. Are they? Are, it's, it's, Heidi, it's a, it, are, are fiddle and the violin the same thing? Yes. They're, it's context. They're just different genre styles, but okay. they're exactly <laughs> the same instrument. Okay. Did, I did not know that. You guys talked like about Like a baritone horn and a euphonium are very similar, but not exactly the same instrument. They play the same music. They sound pretty similar, but one is a conical bore and one is. Never mind, I won't get into the details of a baritone horn versus a euphonium, but unlike that, a fiddle and a violin, a violin is a fiddle. They're both exactly the same construction. It's just the genre and style that, that play that make them different. Okay, so you are correct. I'm looking in the, the liner notes, and yes, Hugh Marsh is playing the fiddle on this song. Interestingly enough, I, and I knew this from before, just because I know who's doing this album. This So interestingly enough, this is the album, of course, that we don't have Andy. He left. And so Jim is really taking over, which is why we have In the Drink, why we have Spider in My Room. He He's really taking the reins. It's also the album that Ed and Steve have kind of disappeared to some extent. 
during the recording process because um, they're both having other problems in other areas of their life um, or not problems because I believe that this is the time that Steve that Ed had his first child. Um, so anyways, the, the point being Jim really kind of starts taking the lead on this album. And the reason it's important is Jim's the one that's playing the piano on this song. And I think he does a gorgeous job. Oh, I agree. You know, it's interesting because I didn't necessarily hear the piano as much on the album track, or I guess my brain hasn't processed it. But when we, when we heard the um, stop us, if you've heard, if you've heard this before version, which was from 1992, Mm -hmm. apparently, which is a whole other thing that we can talk about because it's so different. Um, I heard the piano much more vividly and I was like, oh, that's Andy on the piano probably. Yeah. Well, and I think that's another really interesting thing. This song predates Gordon. Like this song was being played live in, in 1992. And you can tell that it was a song that they had done prior to this because when they start off with the first few chords of the song, the audience all of a sudden starts cheering. So they knew this song. They knew what they were going to be playing. So prior to early 1992, prior to Gordon, they had been playing this song. It did not make Gordon. It made this album instead. I'm interested. Yeah, it's interesting because maybe it's, there's a rawness to this song that they weren't ready for on Gordon. And I, Yes, there are some raw songs on Gordon, but but I'm thinking the flag is more of a Steve one. Mm-hmm. And maybe Ed just hadn't figured out what he wanted this to sound like That's until a few years later. Because in 1992 is like when we get that really different version. I found me an answer in a grocery store. Found me an answer in the form of an old man with a cardigan on. This guy's got 30 years on me, but he stops and smiles to say hello. Matter of fact, there's a couple of different live ones. Also, Ed, when he plays it in the bathroom sessions version, plays it very, very similar to how he plays it when they played it live. That fast, upbeat, kind of bouncy version of this. Yeah, it sounded like they were playing King of Bedside Manor, but singing same thing. Thank you. I had that same note. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so my question, I guess, to you guys is which of the two different ways that they played it? I mean, both of them are very um, well done musically. But which of the two versions do you prefer? Oof. It's got to be the album version. Yeah, I think the album version as well. It's it's impeccable. Um, I like the um, the bathroom sessions version too, just because it's Ed doing it solo, and you know the 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 different strumming style he does it does on the bathroom sessions version makes sense, just because you know it would feel kind of sparse if he was just doing like that sort of picking style. Or, you know, it would, there just wouldn't be enough there. Like he's got a strum to really flesh it out. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the album version is where it's at. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Interesting. Cause to me, I like the live version better. 
My favorite is definitely the one that they have on Stop Us if you've heard, if you've heard this before. Um, it's one of the few times that you'll actually hear me say, I'm glad that that was on that album because otherwise I would have missed out on this song because as beautiful as this song is, I didn't really enjoy listening to it until I heard that version. There is something to be said for like an up-tempo version of a kind of slower song. I mean, the uh, the band Me First and the Gimme Gimme's has made a whole career on that. Oh my gosh, I forgot about Me First mm. and the Gimme Gimme's and I loved them. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Well, you had you had uh, brought you had said that the music is great, but the lyrics is what makes it for you, Heidi. Um, I, I've been around the block a few times, but I I don't know what this song is about. So, can you like? I have vague ideas, but that's the closest that I have on this song. Can you <laughs> can you help illuminate to me what this song is actually about? What are your thoughts, Tyler? Before I jump in. Um, well, as I've said, every time I've appeared on this podcast ever, um, my brain doesn't exist and words go through my brain in one ear and out the other. Um, <laughs> just in, in the sense that the way I listen to music is very like emotion, emotionality and musicality first and words third. Mm-hmm. Like if it's Copacabana, yes, I like the words and I understand what the words are about. But <laughs> if it's a song, Lola, she was a showgirl. I was a huge Barry Manilow fan, a fanalo, if you will. I'm more of a can't uh, smile without you guy. But uh... <laughs> in terms of this song, I think you know the emotionality state that you know I've really internalized this song in. You know, going through. 2020 and 2021 when I had a long playlist of very chill songs and half of them were Kimya Dawson songs and the other half of them were uh, this type of Bare Naked Ladies song or those couple um, Violent Femmes songs that are kind of slow and acoustic um, just because those are like my favorite artists and just kind of existing in that sort of um, mildly depressive state that maybe we all went through for those couple of years it was just kind of a song for me to have with me as a comfort and to sing along with. But I think the meaning of the song probably does resonate with some sort of um, depression or some sort of um, trying to figure out how to navigate the world. Um, you know, you're standing in a grocery store. I don't know. Some, like, I'm just trying to figure out what to do. I, what do I buy? I, I'm just, I'm standing here and I don't know. And then a guy walks up to you and, says hey <laughs> wait hold on i have a joke um because it's a it's you remember the mitch hedberg joke hey did i see you on tv but he did not say whether i was good <laughs> <laughs> um and um and then um comic store like you're in the comic store you're looking for like you're looking for something to make your day better and the thing that should make your day better happens and then you're like i can't enjoy this <laughs> Um, and then, of course, the lightning, the thunderstorm um, verse probably being the most evocative. Like, like I don't know, I, I still seem to get struck by lightning, no matter like what I do to try to stay out of the bad situation. I, I just like they keep it keeps coming to me. And so it's not it's about like how we internalize these sort of mental things and how 
you know, every day can feel the same mm. um, when you're, when you're feeling like that. I think it's, yeah, I, I, I'm a it, it's kind of, it's very much stream of consciousness writing, um, like coming to, and he wasn't that old. I mean, it wasn't like he was the, his age now, um, but I, it's, there's an awkwardness to it that I think I really uh, appreciate and um, and that I identify with. Even like the open, like you're not yourself. I found me an answer in a grocery store in the form of an old man with a cardigan on. The guy's got 30 years on me, but he stops and smiles. And now he would be the guy with the cardigan on. <laughs> well, maybe not a cardigan, but with 30 years on this kid and, and hey, hello, didn't I see you on TV? Um, and it must have been the same thing Charlie Brown went through. Now, Charlie well, okay. Brown yeah. is a classic depressive character okay. who just can't get a, like, he just, no matter what he does, he's, you know, the redheaded girl, the, um, the football. The football. Um, I, that was the first musical I ever directed was Charlie Brown. And like, he's trying to get this kite in the air. Like, he just can't win at life. And so it's kind of like that whole, like, nobody really understands him and he's not really seen. Like, so there's this weird awkwardness. And Charlie Brown was an awkward character. Um, and then, but then it goes into this weird other thing, you know, um, in Watch the Fantastic Four, I say, don't go that list. <laughs> don't go that last issue was cool. <laughs> It must have been the same thing. Like it, it's a very strange and beautiful and weird song. Well, that's the part that bothers me. To be honest, is I don't understand the song. Um, I've had two weeks to really drill down with this song, and I, I'll admit, I've um, had two weeks. <laughs> and uh, it also could be like he's coming to terms with with maybe again he was getting a little older i mean not not like old old but in 90 what was this 96 so that's when we all started to kind of grow into our adulthood in 96 we're all around that same age group yep and, all of us are you know <laughs> shush tyler <laughs> well those <laughs> tracy and i are um, and that was when we were hitting our, you know, early 20s, mid 20s and going, oh, my gosh, I have to be a grown up now. But and now I'm I'm much too young to feel this damn old kind of thing comes to mind where he's especially like um, something in my veins, my weathered veins. Like I'm starting to try yeah. to figure out who I am, where am I going? I, I'm supposed to be an adult, but I'm not. But I don't feel like an adult. And I don't think I act like an adult and I still go through that now and I'm 48 and I'm like, do I act 48? Like when I was a kid, every, like all the teachers that I knew that were at that age, or even when I was in my twenties, I'm like, oh my God, they all are like old looking, like they look old, but I don't feel like I look like I'm almost 50 you, and I don't feel like, don't I act like I'm almost 50, but but I think there's that 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 thing <laughs> when you're in your early mid twenties where you're like, wow, things are starting to change, and it's it's very weird. Like I don't know who I am or where I'm going or what I should be, and I don't feel like I'm this age. I feel like I'm still young. I, like I don't know. I think it's just that question, 
and you can get depressed and pulled down and bogged down by that and and he's also grappling with like on the edge of becoming famous like they were well known but it was before the storm of bnl rage in 2000 where you've got stunt and maroon and big stadium tours and craziness and that that time period from like 2000 to 2005 was had to have been a crazy whirlwind and this was bopes was right kind of before they hit that big stride so i but I this is before yeah i was gonna say gordon blew up yeah but, but it blew pretty... up but not like stunt and maroon yeah, but for them like for in them canada. like they were huge in, in canada. canada like they right. were they were huge in canada they were a big name but right but it's a different this. thing to to break worldwide especially well, yes. in the but, states too but so. they didn't know that was going to come either like no that, so like to them they might have thought like this is the big thing but this song was written even before gordon this song was written after the yellow tape maybe maybe mm-hmm. even before yellow tape so like i i like the fame direction and it and it makes some sense to me especially when we do the whole when you look at the because that was the direction i had seen in online and had been like all right let me see if that makes any sense it does start to make sense because you got the i've been around the block at least once <laughs> at least once on my bike um i was prepared for the news but not the full-scale war so that like i've been around the block i i know some things but i don't know as much as i thought i knew i you know i've been around the block on my bike it's a pretty naivete kind of point of view and i was prepared for the news but not the third uh, third world war which is they never sing that line but that's the line in the liner notes is not for the third world war Mm. um but so we're gonna go with what he sings which every time which is full scale war he he was prepared for it but at the same time he wasn't prepared for the fame i get that and then all of a sudden he's recognized in the grocery store by this old man with a cardigan that says didn't i see you on tv so a little bit of fame there I get that the part that I will say it rankles me a little bit is this must have been the same thing that Charlie Brown went through. He keeps pulling out these fictional characters and breaking the fourth wall, but not breaking the fourth wall in a way that makes sense. Because if Charlie Brown were a real life character that people recognized and then it made him depressed that he was starting to get recognized and he felt uncomfortable. I don't think you're supposed to apply that. to the, the old man story i don't know the that that's the thing is i don't know because then on the next line on the next verse he's talking about the fantastic four he goes into the comic shop to find a comic that he can sell which that 1992 totally a thing that people did in 1992 is we tried to buy a find a comic that we could that we could find for a really bad price that we then could like sell and make millions off from. Um, he, but then he walked in, walks the fantastic four, like they're real life people. Like, and it must've been the same thing that they were going through. Like I, what, what? <laughs> I think I don't get it. I think, he, I don't know. I, again, I, I see all these things as less, 
as less like holistic and more like individual. Um, and I, and I don't, and I'm not reading the fame thing as much as you are either. I think the old man with the cardigan on is an answer to like, how do I, how do I connect with people around me? Um, how do I like, I don't know, maybe, well, when he's saying found me an answer, he's, it's the answer to what does it mean to wake up a dream and be wearing someone else's shorts, which perhaps if you want to really dig in is something like, what does it mean to wake up and not really know where you are and kind of like, maybe, maybe that's an alcoholism or a drug thing, or maybe it's just a, maybe it's a depression thing where like, you know, you can't seem to stop sleeping. And every time you wake up, it's like a new day, but everything's the same um, in a sort of a groundhog day type of way. Mm, that's, that's interesting. Okay. Um, I, I, and I so the, the new thing that happened to him that one time was an old man in the grocery store said hi to him. And that was, that was the one beautiful thing that happened in his life. That one day that, that felt like an answer. Yeah. But an answer to what? I found me an answer, but what, there was no question. It didn't say no, that. The question was, what does it no, mean to wake up a dream? the question was, oh. like, like, I think about, I, I think about the, like, when you're, again, when you're that age, looking to someone for that piece, like, the answer is in the, like, how can I put this? Um, the form of an old man with a cardigan on in his 50s, which... I can't oh, think Mr. of anybody Rogers. in their fifties with a cardigan on. Mister Rogers, uh, maybe he was a Canadian. Uh, no, he wasn't, but he was. I mean, Mister. Everyone knew Mister Rogers. Rogers is my favorite human ever. Heidi says as she pulls two Funko Pops to show us on camera. Yes, because um, <laughs> for me, there's nobody more more influential in my childhood than Mr. Rogers. Um, and as, as far as a personality goes. And we know they know Mr. Rogers because they have referenced him in another song. But he's small. And then to say, hello, didn't I see you on TV? Like they I didn't say whether he was good. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think you're right about the growing up thing because the bridge is always supposed to be the aha moment for the audience. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say to you. What, what, Tracy, what do you think well, the bridge is about? And maybe that's the like answer. Growing up. Like, hold and, on. Maybe that's to... the answer is he's like, what does it mean to not know who you are? Or like, feel this weird, like, I don't know who I am. I'm wearing someone else's shorts. I'm not like, I feel like I'm out of body experience. Like, I don't know who, well, where I am. And maybe, maybe that was the answer where the answer was this guy saying, Hey, didn't they see you on TV? So I know who you are. So maybe there's something layered in that. Sorry. Yeah. Quick question. Do you think maybe he woke out of a dream and he was wearing someone else's shorts because he had just like um, run through a sprinkler and taken a drink right I from the hose and changed into his sister's up. clothes? I almost brought it up and I didn't. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure Tyler's going to say something. <laughs> Which again, to bring up Pinch Me, we know that Ed has had a history of dealing with mental health things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, more recently him 
talking about live well at, at, at the comp at the live concerts. Like we know that Ed has had a tough time and it's been a long journey to come to a place of mental health, right? It is a journey. And when we get to the bridge, these things all end. Who asked you anyway? You have to bend. Who asked you anyway? Right. That's a, that's a, that's a back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. Someone's trying to give him advice. These things all end. Screw you. Uh, Like I'm going through it right now. Who asked you? (laughs) Right. You have to bend as in like, yeah, just like sometimes you got to deal with it and accept and accept these things again, screw you. I'm, I'm having a hard time. Yeah, and he says it with that, like when he says, "Who asked you, anyways?" The second time, it, it there's a little bit of malice in his voice. Hmm. Who asked you anyway? Who asked you anyway? Hmm. The last, I, I I will say, I do like the play on weathered veins. He's yeah. talking about a electrical storm and getting struck by lightning, and talks about his weathered veins or weather vein. Yeah, my brain didn't process that until I was looking at the lyrics right now. And like it, I, like my brain knew that there was a thing going on there, but it just didn't let it click. <laughs> I can we please talk about the different lyrics that were dropped though? So we we have some of that in the bathroom ver- the bathroom sessions and also in the stop us if you've heard this one before. And maybe that will give us a little bit of a of a, a an understanding, I guess. Um, so the the jewelry store verse, or what mm. I will refer to as this jewelry store verse, yeah, must have been the same thing mom and dad went through, which is a finish off from the line before, which would have been the well, it's we just don't- after the second verse. He's instead of saying Charlie Brown, he says mom and dad, which I right. think he does in the regular version of the song, too. Mm-hmm. I'm in a jewelry store looking at a wedding ring the size of three or four paychecks. And in walks a girl next door. I say I do. Funny how fast things change. So that once again goes to that growing up thing. Of like, I never thought I would be doing this, and here I am doing this thing that I never really saw myself doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm from a different generation. Uh, how much is the ring supposed to cost? Three or four paychecks or more? Uh, three or four paychecks is it's supposed to be supposed six to months. Be it. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be that was the thing. Six months, wasn't it? Wasn't it six months? I always heard three or four paychecks, but I also came from a a not not very wealthy area. Oh, are you kidding? Mine, like, there was no uh, there was no wealthy ring on my fingers. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, I I think that one lends more toward that, like growing up, sort of. Oh, three of month salary. Three months salary. That's the general rule. Okay. So depending on when you get your paychecks, if you get monthly or, so, or bi-weekly. Yeah. Yeah. So three months salary. Hmm. Okay. Um. All right. Then there's also the set of lyrics, and I had to write these ones down so they may be incorrect, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong because they're they're not online anywhere. And I'm in a general store. Looking at a photograph of a smiling eight-year-old just got 
he just got a fist the size of his younger brother now tugging on his shirt saying let's go home now i'm in a general store looking at a photograph of a smiling eight-year-old just got a fist the size of his younger brother now tugging on the shirt saying let's go home don't get that maybe i'm we, misinterpreting that we don't need to judge things that are in incomplete states <laughs> <laughs> i mean he did get rid of it but he sang it in the bathroom version so like no he only sings the jewelry store part verse in the bathroom version oh that's right yes this one is just the stop us if you've heard us before I, I'm glad they got rid of it because I have like that one made me even more confused than any of the other lyrics so far. So when I was listening to this song earlier today to get ready for the podcast, it was interesting because I don't know, I've, I was just kind of doing stuff around the house and I was like, oh, let me put on this song. And then, you know, when you're listening to the song for the podcast, you're like, oh, I got to listen to the song. But literally the moment Ed started singing, my brain turned off. I started singing along because I know this word like the back of my hand. And like my brain just went into like automatic comfort mode of like just totally engrossed. Like I didn't need to even think. I just like was living in the song within the first five seconds. And I thought that was really um, an evocative moment of like, oh, this is how much this song just goes for me. Mm. Well, you know what? Say what you want about that, Tyler. We should probably talk about the ratings. Mm. Or is say what you want next week? It is. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a silver ball song, right? It is. (laughs) Wait, what's next week? (laughs) Say, say what you want. Oh, say. It's not a terrible song, but it might be one of the weaker ones on the album. Yeah, I think you're right. Why don't we go? I got to still figure out what I'm rating this song. I've been struggling with this. So why don't I go with Heidi? I'm going to go with you first. Wait, what's our ratings go? Oh, we get weathered veins. Weathered Um, veins. Weather veins. Um, It's all the same to me. Footballs. Oh, old man in guardian. How many old, salaries? How many Mr. How many Mr. Rogers? Uh, no, I oh. like the salary one. How, <laughs> how many, many months salary? How many months salary? Is this ring word? Ah. Uh, All right. So how many months salary would you give this song? <laughs> I would give this song. I I love this song. Um, I I there's something about it. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the music, the harmony, the, the chord progression, I, the, the stream of consciousness, like, I don't know what it is, but I really love it. And I would give it 4.7 months salary. Wow. Okay. Heidi, 4.7. And if I get the recordings for Aaron and Stefan, I will put them in here. But Tyler, what do you think? What what do you, how many months salary would you pay for this song? Aaron's report is unfortunately this one was spoiled for me, so I know it's from Born on a Pirate Ship. But to be fair, I did not think I would have had guessed this correctly. It is an Ed song and a pretty classic country-esque ballad in his style. 
The production work is such that I might have guessed it was from an earlier album, but I doubted that I would have pinpointed it. So put a tally in the Aaron is Stumped column for this one. Overall, I like the song. It's nice. I like the lyrical con content, as it seems pretty open to interpretation, but muses upon subjects like struggling with fame, possibly depression, or a feeling of alienation. Having said that, I can't quite put it on my best of playlists. It's definitely not a song I would skip if it came on, but it's probably not one that I would seek out with great regularity. I like it more than I will dislike it, but at the, the end of the day, it just doesn't quite make the cut for me. I would give same thing a very solid and respectable 3.6 out of 5. And Stefan says, I really like the sound of this song, especially the harmony between Steve and Ed. The lyrics really paint pictures, though I don't completely know what the song is about. Great song, great sound, rank 4.8. Well, thank you for asking, Tracy. Um, Aw, you're so polite. <laughs> um, well, thank you for saying that, Heidi. <laughs> um, I try not to take up too much space here. Oh my um, goodness gracious! You take but, up all the space you want. Oh, well, don't give me don't give me any leash. Um, so, <laughs> I, it's one of those things where you know I I'm not on this podcast regularly, but I'm on it frequently enough where. Um, it sort of doesn't feel like I like, like I'm just coming on for the ones I, I like, but I am, I'm just coming on for the ones that I want to talk about. And, and so like, it's hard for me not to give this five, five month salary. So um, that's what I'm going to give it. Okay. All right. Five months salary. All right. Let me put that in here. Um, I'm I'm going up and down my list right now, and I'm trying to figure out. I will say that I very much like the "Stop Us" if you've heard this one before, much better. Um, it's not. I like the speed that it's at. I like the whimsicalness of it. Um, but then again, I with the Bopes version, I have to say, like, I really do kind of enjoy the. Can I, can the I say Tracy that it creates, I guess is the word I'd like to go with. Like if I close my, if I turn my brain off and I don't think about what the song's about, if I don't take into account what he's trying to say, I kind of like the song. Um, can I the, say Tracy that maybe the song isn't offering answers because when you're in that situation, you're, you're not going to have it. Right. There are no answers. I like the song to tell me something. <laughs> or not everything me... has to have. <laughs> not everything's didactic. Sometimes you can em just empathize with the feeling. Right. And I think that's what he's going for. But I just, I, it doesn't, I think if you, if I had played this song. What does Pinch Me about? Life, <laughs> what is that song about, Tracy? <laughs> we've talked about that. Go back and listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> That one had a very definitive def, uh, description and, and understanding of. Um, this one doesn't. But I still like how it feels. 
Um, I'm going up and down the list here, kind of like placing it with other songs. I know a basic area of what I want to give it, but I can't make up my mind. I'm going to... I'm going to come back to this one at the end of the year. I'm going to put down a number just right now and, and know that I'm going to come back to it. And it may go up or down a few points, but it's not going to vary considerably. Um, I'm going to give this a 3.8. Okay. Wow. I'm really surprised, actually. Yeah, it's just this one doesn't do much for me. It's it's well, pretty to listen okay. to, and I wouldn't change it because it's pretty to listen to. But I there's I really wouldn't seek out this song. Matter of fact, it's one of the songs that for a long time I was like, yeah, that's why I don't listen to this album. Um, I I got into it a little bit more listening to it this week and grew up to like it a little bit more. But it really bothers me that I can't like put my finger on what this song is about and it that's why it doesn't go higher well maybe you you just have better coping mechanisms than the rest of us tracy because <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> um so going with the th- the theme of the same thing i'm gonna do the same thing this week for our appearance and have our one last appearance of Sean Cullen um, doing a duet of I Want to Know What Love Is, the classic power ballad by I Foreigner. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Sorry. I want to feel what love is. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tyler. I I tend to break into song frequently. No, that's that. Honestly, if you were in my, if you could have a have a microphone in my apartment, you would have you would have heard me wailing. Sound of your voice for Aww. some reason. The well, sound of your voice. If you want to hear the sound of Tyler's voice singing, then you should go <laughs> listen to our remixes that we did for last week's episode, um, and put a vote in. Oh my gosh. I can't figure out how to get to the QR code because I had it on my phone and, but I can't screenshot. I, okay. So if you can't QR code it, if you just go to the, to our Facebook page and then ask to join the group that is there, you should be able to join the group. Tyler. I was just listening. I'm going through listening to my competition here. Did you sing it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Stefan went way overboard. <laughs> it was so loud. It covered up the sound. Oh, my Lanta. Oh, my goodness. I had fun with that. But I was like, <laughs> wait, is Ty, is that, that's not, that's Tyler singing it. <laughs> Yeah, I cut out Steve's electric guitar and Steve singing. I added marching feet. Yes, you did. Yeah. And I added these cool, like, opening, like, things, like, but I kept the integrity of the piece. Stefan just said, fuck it. I'm just going to do what I want and boosted the, like, the accordion sound. Like, I don't know what it was, but. Oh, he boosted. So. 
I, I'll tell you this. I actually edited it for Stefan. Stefan told me what he wanted done. Um, he, I got rid of the accordion altogether and boosted the strings really high. That's what it was. It's so high. Yeah, <laughs> the strings don't really help in my down, opinion. And then he ramped up the electric guitar. Uh, but anyway. there now. Anyway, what's this I want to know what love is thing? Yeah, so what the, is that? It's Sean Cullen and Brian McMillan. Uh, doing a duet of I want to know what love is but they you know they're also playing off each other and really kind of joking around and and Brian does this very different version of the song um, so it's a lot of fun it's our last ships and dips type song for a little while um, and I figured it fit in with the same thing I, I did want to talk real quick because all three of us in the last week have gone to see the wonderful bare naked ladies uh the last summer on earth concert. tour yes last summer on earth tour um and tyler tell us your thoughts on on the most recent shows because you went yeah, so and saw I went, them go ahead so i went to the mohegan sun show about a week and a half ago and um it was very interesting to be in a arena show for BNL because, you know, I've seen them at the pavilion in Boston. I've seen them on the pier in Portland. I've seen them in the Hampton beach casino ballroom. And all of those are like medium venues and the Mohegan sun arena is a large venue. Mm. Okay. And obviously that's because they're touring with toad, the wet sprocket and gin blossoms who are, a bit higher echelon of a of a draw, although you know, for my money, Colin Hay and Violent Femmes and Bare Naked Ladies was the best concert that I've ever been to ever because those are like three of my favorite acts of all time. Um, so it was. I went with um, my my parents and my aunt and uncle because um, I'm I'm a baby who d- does things with people of the older generation. Um, and you know, I went in knowing the the songs from detour to force. I was super pumped to hear new disaster. And I was moderately familiar with the other songs from that album. Um, I was very, I was very pleased with live well. And I was surprised that they played man-made lake and internal dynamo. I was very pleased with those. I was annoyed that they played rollout and even more annoyed that they made fun of it before and after they played it. They made fun of the song, the fact that they were playing that song. Huh? Like, like, okay. Beforehand they were like, Oh, we're going to play some, some songs from the new album and people aren't going to like it. And I was like, okay, that's like a, that's like a bit that you can do at a concert self-aware. Like we're going to play a new song and people are like, it's okay. Just, just sit through it. You're going to enjoy it whatever they did that but at then, our concert as well but then afterwards to be like wow that that song from the new album is bad why did we play it whoa, <laughs> whoa. essentially is what they said and i was like yeah i like i agree like and they didn't play flip at, at the concert which we were talking about earlier tracy and i yeah. like why didn't you just play flip and i love flip like flip is one of the the better of the songs um from, I'm the, from the album I'm wondering if it's gotten old for them already, if they feel like that's like it, they don't enjoy playing it. Cause you're right. I like it. It was their first single off this album. 
I had a coworker who went and saw the the show in Central Park, New York. I think they had, and my coworker, who's your age, um, was bummed that they didn't play more of the old songs. And, you know, I, I obviously respect that opinion. And I honestly wish that they did play at least one or two more songs from before 2006. Um, just because I wanted to hear light up your room or like, I was kind of bummed that the concert was just like the one mega group song. Like I wanted, I wanted them to play like an older, slower song. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that they played sound of your voice in their mini acoustic set because I love that song. Mm. Tracy said that they played Brian, uh, hello city. Yep. at The show that you guys went to. Mm, it was okay. Yeah. That, that was my yeah. best rating of it. They, they, they did better with Hello City during the the sound check than they did during the concert itself. At the grand in the grand scheme of things, I was really impressed with a concert, which is crazy considering they played eight songs from the new album. Mm-hmm. They like half, like that's half of the concert. Like the proportion of the songs that were from the new album did not did not set them up for success, and they pulled it off. Um, which is, in in my opinion, really great. And, and you know, playing the the newer hits like "Gonna Walk" and "Odds Are" and "Looking Up," those are all fun songs to hear live. I think "Looking Up" has really grown on me um, as a as a live song, and "Gonna Walk" is always a a fun sing along. Um, I wish they had the balls to play one week in the middle of the show. Yeah. Mm. One of the things I respect about Violent Femmes is they'll play Blister in the Sun third. Yeah. Because they, they know they can end on Add It Up and they'll be fine. I wish that they, you know, like that play Everywhere for Everyone tour. I wish they put it in the middle of the set somewhere. Um, but, you know, they know that the half of the crowd is just there to hear the, the two songs and that if they play it in the middle, people will leave. Um, it's an unfortunate reality, but um, yeah, I wish I'm looking that... at this list, and they didn't take any uh, of the one that we went to. Um, Heidi and I went to the the Bank of New New Hampshire Pavilion. They didn't take any risks. No, like they hit the they hit a lot of nine songs off the new album, which is a lot. I mean, I think the risk years. is playing Man Made Lake, and but it's not a risk. That's a new song. Like. It's not really a risk. The ones they played off from other albums. Are... Well, what what would be a risk then? Because they have thirty years of of great songs. <laughs> um, like I I would say something that wasn't a big hit that was that's a deep dive of some sort. They're not going to play um, Spider in My Room, Tracy. <laughs> no, not Spider in My Room, but like I don't know. Same thing. Same thing would be an example of a of a a risk um they don't need to play that because they're they, he's already doing live well and man-made lake it would be it would be a lot to do another acoustic <laughs> strip back song or or do king of bedside manor um, yeah yeah do, i know like you yeah something that people aren't expecting we're expecting brian wilson we're expecting and that's big bang we're expecting one week we're expecting uh pinch me it like and odds are like none that's of those what they're missing are... in the encore they they 
they didn't need to do the super group thing. Like it's great. Like they the get everyone on stage and the, the, and you know, it's funny that they do the um, traveling Wilbury song because that was a super group too. That's a funny bit, but yeah. they should have had that. it be a second encore. Or, or they should have just like, they came back out, did a couple of risky songs. Yeah. Cause that's the place to do the it. Big super group. Yeah. Cause that I it's really underwhelming at the end there. Try something. I didn't notice it until after they say, I really did enjoy the concert. And I, that's because I think it's riskier than you think to play so many new songs. I think it is, but at the same time, I, I think they could have taken one or two of the new songs off and done something riskier with an older song that a lot of people don't hear a lot of times. I, I agree in general. I think they did one too many of new songs, specifically Rollout. They should have replaced Rollout. Yeah. I, I would have been, honestly, I would have been okay if they really, if they had skipped Rollout and if they had skipped Big Backyard. Like those two to me aren't their strongest ones off that album, but we'll yeah, come as to long that. And yeah. Like if they had done Sound of Your Voice as the Kevin song for all the shows and then done, like, cause you gotta have a Kevin song. Oh, that would be Sound of Your Voice as a Kevin song. Is amazing. I would I would have really enjoyed hearing that. I, but here's what I will say. I did, one I didn't think the concert. I, I walked away from the concert going that was really fun. That was really great. Mm-hmm. Like it was a cool experience. Me too. Two. I walked away saying BNL was the best band there that night. They, yeah. They like, put on the best show. Yeah. To the West Sprocket and Gin Blossoms both made the mistake of no banter in between songs. Yeah, they just, it was like a job. It was like a day at the office. Like they, they still played well and they had fun and and like Toad more so than Gin Blossoms, but even Gin Blossoms, I thought w- was engaging, but they didn't talk at all between yeah. any of the songs. And I was just like that. And then when BNL came on and they were bantering and riffing and joking and telling stories and I'm like, this is what I come to see BNL. Yeah, those other two bands are 45 minute bands. Like, yeah, maybe if you liked them, you would want to see them play a full set, but I don't know. I don't know how they would pull it off. BNL, you know, they they've always been um a band that has put on a live show first and foremost. Like that's why mm-hmm. they put on rock spectacle, like put out rock spectacle. Um, like that's their thing is putting on a good live show. Yeah. And they still know how to do it after all these years. Yep. Both, both BNL and Steve still put on phenomenal live shows. They just do. I'm so excited to see Steve. Yeah. He, we, we were lucky enough to see him in New Hampshire a few months ago and he was phenomenal and his banter with his bandmates is what made that sh- I mean so him singing good. is powerful but what <laughs> makes it live and what makes it really like an enjoyable show is listening to him talk with Kevin and Craig his connection with his audience as well as his musicians hmm. like there's it- something I didn't feel like there was any connection between the lead singer and the members of Gin Blossoms or Toad like and I I I mean Toad played when I was in college, they played a keen and, and it just seemed like they were like, okay, we're, we're opening. Yay. Thanks everybody. Um, I just didn't feel like there was any banter connection, any, any kind of, it was just 
players on a stage. It was so different than than BNL. And maybe it's because we're so used to seeing them and we know the connection and we know like, but it's also the even the soloing, like when they were soloing and Kevin, you know, like they're all coming forward and taking their moment and having a chance like when Tyler came out and like there's those moments that each individual had but for the first two they were very much stationary stayed in their spots in fact the gin blossoms lead singer just with his leg up on that thing for what almost every song he just stayed stationary with his hand on the microphone and the leg his one leg up on the thing a foot up on the thing I was like okay you can move like maybe he couldn't move maybe it was stuck <laughs> well i think like he just he didn't have another instrument to play and i don't think he knows then how to move around and engage the audience beyond that which is weird after all these years mm-hmm. one of the things and 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 it's because i guess it's because you know i'm such a big fan but one of the things i like about bare naked ladies is you look at all the guys on stage and they all have like their shtick, like oh yeah, like Jim's got the skinny jeans and the and the acoustic bass. And Tyler's dancing. <laughs> Tyler, like I don't know, it's hard to describe Tyler's vibe, but he's got his own look. Kevin's like the weird eclectic one. Don't listen to them, Zignon Five. Like <laughs> he's got his vibe, <laughs> and then and then Ed is the front man, but he's got either the Hawaiian shirt. He's got the, like the classic handsome face. Um, like they've all like they're like the Beatles. Like there's the, each of them is the one. Like, mm. well, and I so one of the things that I picked up that Jim did, and it's I'm gonna do my best to describe oh, it here. Jim roams a ton. Not only does he roam and dance and engage when he is playing, it doesn't matter if he's playing grandma or if he's playing the the electric, but especially when he's playing the electric he is catching people in the audience with his eyes and he has eyes that you there was a moment oh you guys were in the first row i was way back okay i was i was in the first row and so he looked at me and i want to say it was gonna it was during it's all been done and he kept he's right there and what he does on every song is he's looking at someone in the audience and then he moves on and looks at another person in the audience and and some people will look above people's heads to make it feel like oh i'm looking at the audience and not looking at any one particular person no he was deadlocked into my eyes and staring at me and like there was no doubt it was that was direct contact no there. doubt was that your show yeah Whoa. how did <laughs> i miss that <laughs> he he kept my eyes locked on him to the point where I was like, okay, now it's getting uncomfortable, but I can't, I can't break this. I, I can't be the person that breaks this. I can't be the person that looks away from Jim. And then finally, I would say it was about 30 or 40 seconds. He finally like moved his, it was cool. It was electric, but it was like, to the same point, I was like, holy cow. <laughs> like that is the longest stare down I've ever had. And the most, it was comfortable but uncomfortable at the same time um but he did that a lot and i was watching because after that i was like okay i gotta notice does he do this often he was doing it with a lot of people throughout that the front three rows of the show and tyler i mean kevin was was not 
doing the eye locking thing, but he was like when he was playing, he would go right up to the the side and he would play things for people and and engage them in his own style. It wasn't just a we're up on stage playing this. Like we're going to put on a show for you. Holy shnikes. Sorry. Sorry, Heidi just got done listening to my version of Rule the World. Yeah, that's love. what it was. No. So Stephen Page is playing at the New York State Fair in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's free. What's that show? In, when, admission. What day is that? Syracuse. Uh August, August 24th. And you know how much tickets are? Free? Three dollars. All right. That's the day after I'm seeing Jack White in Portland with my sister. I oh could, my God. I will be on the road. I could make a detour. A detour like, to force, as it were. It's <laughs> free. But I, I'm on. I'll, it's it'll only be my $3 third time seeing to go to the this New York Saturday. Fair? This Saturday will be my third time this year seeing seeing Steve. Um, oh. <laughs> and I would make it a fourth because I I I finally went all in on his solo stuff. He's playing and, at one o'clock on Wednesday, August twenty fourth. I have to mark that down, that I have to go to Syracuse. First of all, I want to say thank you, Heidi, who gave me a wonderful T-shirt that I got to wear at the show and and show off. And it was, correct me if I'm wrong, Bella? Bella. That shirt that made the design for that. Shout out to Bella. I think we got some more listeners from people we met at the show. We did. And actually, I know one of them, and it's funny that you were saying, Tyler, that you that you went with family members um, that were older because uh, I talked to this one lady that that was there with her daughter. Um, and that is their thing that they do every year. They go and they and they go to see three different shows of bare naked ladies in three different spaces every single year. That's their their get together type thing. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I want to do that with my kids. This was the year that my family dropped my sister, Condra, who's made an appearance on the show. She likes bare naked ladies, but she's she's like, we've done it enough. Um, whereas <laughs> me and my parents, or at least me and my mom, we could go like every year. <laughs> um, so I'll say that. And I'll also say I got to do the VIP experience and, and meet the guys and see the um, sound check. And that was a lot of fun. Like they, Tyler came out and, and my favorite moment was he came out to the, to just before they started playing uh the sound check and he's like you know what we they by the way they said this a numerous times that night that they love the new hampshire pavilion because they the new hampshire pavilion just really treats them right matter of fact all the bands that night said like these guys like wine and dine all of us and make us want to come back um, and so Tyler comes out. He's like, "Yeah, I just got out of the. Sh- I just got out of the pool, and before that was the spa. Like, I'm having a great day." And this woman goes, "Oh yeah, I'll do you one better. I get to meet bare naked ladies later." And he goes, "Oh, those guys. I heard they're assholes." <laughs> uh-huh. Oh my gosh, Tracy, did you know that Steven Spielberg was at our show? What? Yeah, Spielberg Stevie? was there. Yeah, Stevie. Yeah, he has a house not far from there. And a friend of mine, I had so many other friends that were at that show that I didn't even know. And she and Spielberg was there. And Tracy, you were in the first row, so you were probably sitting ahead of Stevie. Yeah, you probably were. 
Yeah. State uh, Tracy's jaw was on the floor, and he picked it up. I have. I don't know even what to say at this point. I know, right? Yeah. I'm on the podcast, Tracy. I was like, "What the shit?" I would. I could have gone up to him and. <laughs> damn it! Hey, hey, excuse me, Mister Mister Spielberg. Um, me, Mr. I've got Spielberg. this Bare Ladies podcast, and could you could you be on it? I'll you're, send you my. I'll send you my Zoom link. Uh, you're you're obviously a big fan of them, so please come on the show. <laughs> We know you listen, Stephen. That's yeah. That's what Stevie loves. He loves West Side Story and Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> well, I I don't know, guys. Like, I don't know what to say at this point. So um, say what you want. Got, uh, say yeah. what you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, come back next week, and we'll be saying what we want about the song. Say what you want. Yay! Wow, beautiful. Beautiful. Good night, everybody. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.